Hello, I am Anika Orock, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Len. episode of baseball and barbecue it's our three-year anniversary special and i am joined by my wonderful co-host of the last three years jeffrey cohen hey leonard how are you doing good i i said jeffrey is that too is that too formal Can that's I too formal that's okay and i am leonard aberman and jeff three years three years yes and, and, we, and we've got the minions kicking it off. There you go. Three years. I don't know what to say other than it's been a great ride. I'm looking forward to the next three. Yes. But I, and, and you know we've 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 done so much over the three years. We've done so much over the last year. We've grown so so much. We just grown, and we've gotten better. We hope. And <laughs> well. We hope that we have, and we know our sound has gotten better, yes. but we'll talk about that later. We have some great anniversary greetings by some wonderful guests that we've had. So why don't we start off with our first anniversary greeting, which is from Sean Ludwig, who is the NYC BBQ. He writes the NYC BBQ column which you get in your email every, uh, every week. We met Sean at um, was it John Brown's Smokehouse. Yes. We had a meal with him, and it was great. This, that was, of course, before this COVID situation. So let's hear what Sean has to say. Hello, Leonard and Jeff. This is Sean from NYC BBQ and the Smoke Sheet. I just wanted to call in and wish you a happy three-year anniversary. It's been great listening to the shows over the years, and it was a pleasure sharing a meal with you guys before the pandemic. And I'm looking forward to us sharing some meals as soon as the pandemic is over. Congratulations again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys when things calm down a bit. Take care. And thank you, Sean. That was very nice. 
Very nice. Yes. Thank you. And you know what? Not to be outdone by Sean, Sean's partner, Ryan Cooper, who's the barbecue tourist. And who, like, let's say, is, is recovering well from his surgeries. And thank, thank God for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So now, well, why don't we hear from Ryan Cooper with his anniversary greeting? Hey, Lynn and Jeff, this is Ryan, barbecue tourist. I'm just calling to leave you a message congratulating you on three years of success with your podcast. I love getting to, to know you guys, and I love everything that you all do. It's so great to, to get to witness the rapport that the two of you have, talking about two subjects that you're so passionate about, and I wish you nothing but success in the future. Congratulations, guys. Wow. You know what, Jeff? We must have paid them very well because those are very <laughs> nice greetings. Yes. The check clears. Yes. Wow. That is great. You know, I, I look back on, on this past year. We've had some great guests on. We also, you know, we've been doing this podcast. One of the shows that I know that I like to, that I look up to, you know, I mean, that if we you aspire were, to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that is none other than the Barbecue Central show. We had uh, the fortune of having on Greg Rempe, who's the host of that show. And he's, since we've, you know, had him on, he's done some promotion for us. He basically, if we ask him for a favor, promote something, he's done it. And, and he's really just a great guy. And here's his greeting to us. That podcast being called baseball and barbecue it's getting ready to celebrate its third anniversary of producing shows and i was a guest of theirs a while back one of the very first handful of guests that they brought on and len and jeff put on a very unique show that covers both topics very well if i might say that covid is the best thing that has happened to that show from a sound quality standpoint i don't think i would be embellishing at all the use of zoom or whatever the hell they're using has made a noticeable difference maybe you guys don't live in the same town or you do it remotely you don't like each other that much and you have to have distance between you whatever the case may be however that does not change the fact that they have some really good baseball guests really good baseball guests and they have a really good barbecue guest. For instance, Chad Ward from Whiskey Bent and Traeger. Texas Embedded Correspondent Doug Shining, who's now going on for the 78th time in December to talk more baseball than barbecue. Uh, by the way, Doug is a huge baseball fan. A Chicago Cubs fan. We won't hold that against him, but he's a huge baseball fan. And, of course, me, right in the very beginnings. So, hey, now, I want to say to Len... And to Jeff, congratulations on three solid years. You've done it. And yes, yes, Greg, I, I do. We still still like each other, and uh, <laughs> we are socially distant. We are one town away from each other, and we haven't gotten on each other's nerves lately. So uh, we do get along. That's right, absolutely. And and Greg, we appreciate it. We should only have even a, a quarter of the success that your show has and yes. we'd be we'd be doing very well but we thank you very much for that for that greeting 
And we, we also got a couple of emails. Here's one from Jay Horowitz, who is the PR director, the former PR director of the, of the Mets. He said, happy third anniversary, guys. Enjoy being on the show. Best of luck, Jay Harwood. So, oh, thank you, Jay. It's very nice of you to write in and, and let us know, giving us a, a shout out. We also have one from Kyle Harvison. Congratulations to Jeff and Leonard of Baseball and BBQ Podcast for three great years. It has been so much fun to be part of the podcast and listen to all the other guests of the show. Thank you for letting me be part of this great venture, and I wish you merry, many more years to come. Well, thank you, Kyle. He's from Thermalworks. Check out all their products at thermalworks.com. We've had him on, but on a couple of times. He brought on, one time he brought on the executive chef at, uh, I don't know if he's called the executive chef, but I know he's the chef at Thermoworks. That's Martin Earl. They also, fantastic guests. Jeff, before we go to our very special. This is a, it's a great interview. Yeah, it's a great interview. It's none other than Robert Wall. And we'll talk about him in just a moment. But before we go to his interview, I want to read you one very special greeting that we received. Let's talk a minute about Shel Krakowski and Dave Dresser, who you know I like to refer to as the musician and the poet. We found, they, they actually found us. And for, for fans of the show, they found us. They sent us their music. You know, we always end the show. We usually end the show with Baseball Always Brings You Home. They even wrote our intro music. Now they've written a beautiful three-year anniversary greeting. Let me read it to you. Hello, Leonard and Jeff. This is Dave and Shell in Canada. So very happy to be sending you both best wishes and congratulations on your third anniversary show. And what a great show you have. Entertaining. Fun and informative. You are the best of hosts, enthusiastic, well-prepared with a genuine passion for the topics you select. Plus, the literate presentations of your authors and their books is an added pleasure and and the intelligent discussions that follow. We are so grateful and honored to have our own music on baseball and BBQ, especially Baseball Always Brings You Home. The initial exposure on your show gave this song great traction on its way to success. And thank you both so much for continuing to play our love song to baseball. Sending you the major league high fives you both deserve. Keep it all going. From stakes to streaks and especially from strength to strength, we are leading the congratulatory cheers for both of you north of the border. Dave Dresser. And Shel Krakowski. So, Jeff, could you could you tell us, please, about our very very special guest that we have on to help us celebrate three years? We have with us none other than Robert Wool. You might not know his name, but you know his face, you know his voice. He's been in. in you've seen him in movies. You've seen him in Batman, Good Morning Vietnam, Bo Durham, Cobb. He's a comedian, and he was in. He was starting the HBO series called. Arliss. Yes. Not only did he star, but I think he wrote it. He he was that. That's probably. I mean, every role was great, but such a convincing sports agent, Arliss. Love that show. Here is Robert Wall. Our guest name is very well known to some, but to those who do not recognize him by name, 
you're guaranteed to know him right away once you hear his distinctive voice or see his famous face. He's a well-known comedian who has flexed his acting chops in a career which includes roles in The Hollywood Nights, Good Morning Vietnam, Bull Durham, Batman, and Cobb, among others. He's also the creator and star of Arliss for seven years on HBO, playing the role of super agent Arliss Michaels. He also hosted a wonderful podcast called Ipso Facto. There's apparently not much that he can't do. And on top of all that, he is a huge baseball fan. Baseball and Barbecue is honored to welcome Robert Walt. Welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Robert. Thank you. That was very kind of you. That was a very nice intro. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> now, how did, how did the show start? Tell me about the origins of the show. We started uh, December 2017, just two guys just talking a lot of baseball. We talk a lot of barbecue, and we just said, we're the only two schmucks who doesn't have a po- podcast, so we decided to put it out there, and, you know, we're at uh, 65 uh, episodes later. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, we we released... I'm sorry, No, no, I was just going to say, I shouldn't interrupt the guests, but we release every two weeks. So that's why December will be three years. Now, it's very funny because I was just watching, I was working out of the treadmill and I was watching an episode of The Prophet, which is one of my favorite shows on TV. And he was helping out a restaurant in South Carolina, which was a barbecue joint, down home barbecue. So I wanted to ask you. Do you, have you been all over the country eating barbecue, sampling barbecue, and you have favorites, or have you? You know, are you just totally from you know New York area? Well, the bucket list is to travel around the country, but well, how, many, how many have you hit? Not a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> we have been we have been to a couple of barbecue competitions, a couple right. of barbecue shows. We went to the Monster Monolith by uh, sponsored by BBQ Guru there in Pennsylvania. Right. So we have been at certain places. I know when I travel, I do hit a barbecue restaurants. I've been right. in Arizona, Rhode Island, wherever I go, I try to hit a barbecue restaurant. Okay, because it's interesting. I was a comic for many years on the road. And, and of course, I went to school in Texas. So the funny thing is I'm diabetic. So I can't really eat much uh, barbecue much anymore. Right. Uh, but I pick my spots once or twice a year, you know. It's like a, like a pastrami sandwich. I can't tell you. That would probably be my death row meal is a good course. Called, you know, a pastrami sandwich with coastal on Russian dressing. And, you know, it's like, you know, okay, mm. so, okay, give me the goop. But barbecue is one of those things. But each city, the thing about barbecue that I've learned is each region has, it's like, they're like dialects. It's like mm-hmm. each region has its own idea of what's great barbecue. And it's funny because I usually, when it comes to barbecue, which is something New York does not do particularly well, by the way. New York, uh, New York restaurants, forgive me. Most of them, most of the ones that have succeeded, well, New York, it's, it's a different, it's, it's a, you know, it's not a city barbecue for the most part. It's not a city food. Right. That's, I think, has a lot to do with it. But I've been fortunate. I went to school in Texas and on the road. And the barbecue is something that I and I don't like particularly like brisket. That's from growing up and my mother cooking it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do not like brisket for the most part. But I love ribs. I love ribs. So I, I barbecue. I tell you, if you go on a bucket list, if you're ever going to a town like, especially Kansas City, uh, Kansas City might be my favorite. Uh, if you, oh, by the way, you absolutely must do it. I'll tell you why. 
Kansas City, uh, first of all, it's in my mind, and I'm again, yeah. I'm, it's my favorite barbecue city. Kansas City is so well known for ribs. I mean, you got the famous Gates, uh, right? You've got uh, Arthur Bryant's, which is notorious. You've got Oklahoma Joe's, which I now think is called Joe's. Uh, Jason Whitlock took me there. You've got, uh, uh, boy, you got some great, it's my favorite barbecue city. But not only that, it is the home of the Negro League Hall of Fame, you know, yep. baseball. Yep. And I've been honored twice to be the host of their Legacy Awards, mm-hmm. which is after it's their, their postseason awards. And uh, it's a and it's held across the street at the famous Gem Theater in Kansas City, uh, right across the street from the uh, Negro League Museum, which outside of Cooperstown is my favorite museum in the world. In fact, it might be because it's small though. There is a charm to this. Now I've always been a big Negro League fan, so there is a charm to this museum. I was fortunate enough to have Buck O'Neill before he died take me around. Uh, uh, Bob Kendrick, who runs this museum. Uh, he should be a presidential candidate. He's the president. Yes. This is a, he is. A, so if you guys ever decide to go to Kansas city and do a barbecue, uh, you know, thing, cause I, I'd like to get back there again. So give me a holler if you're going. So maybe I can meet you there. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, you want to tell them that they we have been honored to interview Bob Kendrick twice. And it was uh, just spectacular. Sorry, I didn't catch that. It was muffled. We, we interviewed Bob Kendrick of the Negro League ah. Museum twice. Ah. Yeah, he's the he, best. He, he's was, the best. he was our first guest. He was our so first Robert, guest. We, we're this, with this new podcast, we, like Jeff said, we're two schmucks that think, hey, uh, you know, people would be interested in listening to what we have to say. And then we decided it was, it was going to be February. And we thought for Black History Month that we would have uh, let's see, we went online and we see that there's a Negro Leagues Museum. So I call up and I said, um, you know, we really like to get somebody from your museum to come on and talk about the, you know, the Negro Leagues. And they said, well, we'll put you through to the president, the president of the museum. And, and 10 minutes later, I get a call. This is Bob Kendricks. And, and I didn't know who he was at the time, not, you know, not realizing how well known he is. And he came on knowing he was our first guest, nicest guy. We've had him on again and uh, we love it. And we, yeah. we that is on the bucket list. We're going to go. I mean, that, I've been, I, that, I, you know, if your show is baseball and barbecue, not more, I think of it. Uh, and I say this with all due respect, shame on you for not being there already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about arguably the greatest barbecue city. I mean, you can throw Memphis in there. I, I've been in Memphis. You can, I mean, you can, I'm sure Texas, uh, some people say it's in Texas. Uh, I went to school in Houston. But it's in, the, it's in the conversation. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And it's the home of the Negro League Museum, which, by the way, is in the same building as the Jazz Hall of Fame. You know, uh, and by the way, if you like Italian food, Kansas City is a great, great city for Italian food. Why, you may ask. Now, because it was always a big mob town. Do you remember uh, the movie Casino? Remember oh Casino? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where did they funnel all the money through? Where did it all yes. go? That, that little mob. So it was always a great mob town, which means great Italian restaurants. So, uh, and, and also they, they, you know, backed all the jazz joints, the music joints, the nightclubs. And so, oh, Kansas City, I, I, I enjoy, I don't, except, you know, if you don't take all the big ones out, but I can't, I can't see it might be my, 
most underappreciated city for me. For me. We have to, Jeff. Yeah. We have to go. And and I've I've had barbecue in Florida and Georgia and, you know, locally and stuff, but yeah, we, we definitely, we've got to expand our horizons. Do you have children? You, Jeff. Do you have children? Yes. Yeah. How old, uh, boys or girls? But it doesn't make a difference, really. Well, I have a girl and a boy, and uh, uh, boys. 25 and 21. Oh, so, okay, they're not kids. Right. I, mean, I was anymore. fortunate enough, one of the years that they um, invited me, I got to take my goddaughter with me, uh, with her dad, and because uh, and, she's a big sports fan. In fact, she worked up until a year ago. She up until last January. She worked for the Yankees, and she's 25, 26. But she was about—I don't know—it was, it was the year that uh, it was the year Prince Fielder had a big year, and CC won the won the Cy Young in the Nash. The Brewers. Milwaukee, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know what year that is, but um, she was charmed by that. Of course, her hero is Jackie Robinson to begin with. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Right. But we okay. can't wait for the... So, you guys, Yankees or Mets fans? Well, we're Mets fans. I'm thinking you're a Yankee fan. So, if you grew up in... Uh, you were born in Jersey, uh, early 50s. And then, when the Giants and Dodgers left town, there's only Yankees, and you're, what, eight years old? So you have to be a Yankee fan. I'm a baseball fan. I baseball. do like Yankees. Uh, I'm more... My motto is uh, my motto that I've always has served me well is always, life is always better when the home team wins. Yeah. And that's not just in sports. That's in sports, sure. But it's also in family, in politics, in business. Life is always better when the home team wins. So I live in New York and L.A. And I went to school in Houston. And I have great friends in Houston. And uh, and then I have a lot of friends who are involved in baseball. And I root for my friends to do well. Uh, So, you know, and I root for the Mets. I root for the Yankees. I root for the New York teams. I, 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 I'm a baseball fan. I like good historical, you know, I'm a history guy. So mm-hmm. like, right. I, I always like the Cincinnati Reds because of the history, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, the Red Sox too, but I, but, but more, I mean, I, I just, I like great baseball histories and organizations and, and, and I just like baseball. I went to Cincinnati last year and I'm a big baseball history nut also. I love their Hall of Fame Museum just for the Cincinnati Reds at the Great American Ballpark. That was just fantastic. Yeah. That was great. Have you, have you been to uh, – how many of the ballparks have you been to? Have you been to a lot of – I've been to half. So I have to get to the other half. <laughs> I, I, I've got about four or five to go. I've got Target Field I haven't been to. Most of the Midwest, I haven't been to Cincinnati, has, haven't been to – I'm sorry to say because my friend owns the team. Uh, the White Sox. I haven't been to uh, whatever that cellular field or whatever it is. I have not been to Miller Park. And I haven't been to Detroit. I think – and Tampa Bay. But I don't count Tampa Bay. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't – it's like you – know, I was at a, I was in the All-Star game. Where George Will invited me. So I'm there with George Will, and we're talking baseball, of course. And I told him I had made to Tampa Bay. He said, you don't have to go. You know, so – so, but that's the only parks I have not been to. So I, you know, I just, I, I like that. You know, it's like cathedrals, like they says in Boulder. Yeah, yeah. My, I think one of my best baseball moments is uh, it was shortly after the Mets and the Red Sox. Well, they didn't meet. It was in eighty. Uh, it was in eighty-eight when they 
everyone thought they were going to have a rematch and it ended up the you know the Dodgers and who was it it wasn't the Red Sox so, hey, you know, yes. right. That's right and shortly after that I was doing an internship in Boston and I went on to the field during the off season and just ran around. I was in a suit and tie and I'm, and I'm running around the bases while well, there were no bases but you know and touching the green monster and just looking around it's it's incredible it's it, really if, if you if people have never been there the first thing that blows you away is the monster right left field is like 10 steps behind shortstop <laughs> I mean, there's just no. That's why you don't. You, that's why. That's why the Carl Crawford trade was one of the stupidest things in the world. I mean, the one place where if you can't catch a ball and be that you don't need a defensive left fielder in the in baseball is Fenway Park. Right. I mean, think about it. you had Manny playing there for so many years. <laughs> you, had, you had Ted Williams playing there for so. These guys couldn't. I mean, unless the ball's hit, a, but it didn't make a difference because if it hits the wall and it comes back, it's going to be a single anyway. I mean, they could be, it was like it played <laughs> off the wall. And you had Carl Crawford, who who was like suddenly you got this thoroughbred with no room. It's it's that was a stupid, stupid. Even just you know, horses for courses. You know, that was just, oh. you know. Before I was going to say before we begin, but I think we've begun. It's very funny. We we have our producer of the show, semi-producer, who is a huge fan of yours, loves Arliss. He had booked for us a, well, he was a sports agent. Now he's a sports attorney. I think you might know the name, uh, Darren Heitner. You actually did a cameo. This was funny. He played this for us. You did a cameo for him. And oh, a cameo, cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, where his friend Silver something wanted you to rank on him, and you know, say mean things or whatever. And you said, you said, Darren, because as as one, you know, from one super agent to the current super agent or whatever, I'm not going to rank on you. And your friends, no, they should know. You should not be ranked on, and you turned it around. Do you remember doing that? that yes, I do. Sure. That was, yeah. Yeah. And he played that today, and that was just that, – that was a riot, I got to tell you. That was very his, good. So, what is his name? Well, Darren Heitner is the – What's the other guy's name? Oh, Jared Kasdan is the okay. one who played it, and he's a huge fan of yours. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jared. <laughs> but, uh, but we had Darren on, and it was just funny how how – you know, the connection. Six degrees so. of separation, I think. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Hey, are you guys, let me ask you a question. I mean, yes. it's moving that way, but are you guys 100, I mean, 100% convinced there's going to be a baseball season that they're going to no. start? Into? No, I'm not. What? I'm not. I, I mean, it's getting closer, obviously, but I mean, I'm, I, what if five, six guys more per team go down and stuff? I, I don't know. And if they do, I mean, okay. I mean, it's not like I wasted my money on tickets. Right. You know, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, let's, I mean, it's a crazy year. I mean, I, I don't mind this. You know, things happen, you know, and you got to play, you know, you got to play the hand you dealt. So, you know, play it out. I mean, I'm, I hope they do play. I hope nobody gets sick, but I hope they do. Right. I just want to see. The, I'd like to just watch the game. I can still watch the pitcher and the catcher. I can still yeah. watch. I can watch. But that. sixty games is like an extended spring training. That's it, fine. You that's know, fine. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's something. It's see, the thing is, they're going to try different things. There's going to be the DH in both leagues and whatever, but it's going to be interesting if they do play to see 60 games. It's going to go by in a blink and to see how they're going to play it. It's going to be very different. Yeah. And, and also, well, it's hard to judge against anything. I'm curious to see if it, the games are a lot more exciting. I mean, first of all, they, they count a lot more. Right. And, and I'm curious to see how they, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a different, I mean, like, I forgot which agent it was said, uh, he works at Wasserman, I believe. And he talked about during the negotiations, he, he talked about when, when the owners didn't want to pay people because they had no people in the stands. He says, the Florida Marlins hadn't had any people in the stands <laughs> in the last five years. He said, <laughs> and, he goes, and they had the highest paid player, you know, right. and, and then when they sold, they sold for $2 billion. Right. He goes, what are you talking about? So, uh, but I thought that was funny. Florida, Marlon, Tampa Bay, they don't have any fans. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm going to want to watch the games. I'm a, it's a different, it, it, to me, this is just a crapshoot year. I mean, just, yeah. it's a unique thing. It's, it's just unique. You got to roll with it. And it's still four, four, three strikes, two outs. You know, it's still that. Yeah. So, Robert, what was it like? Play? You were in one of, Bull Durham, obviously, one of the, the best baseball movies. I think Jeff mentioned a list of best baseball movies of all time, and I think Bull Durham was number one, actually. Number one. Right? And you were in an iconic scene, okay? That, that, the pitcher's mound scene, I love it. When they're all out there, and it's like, it's like his eyelids, and so-and-so's getting married, and, 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 and the other one, you know, his, he thinks his glove is is uh, is jinxed, and we need to find a chicken and cut the head off. And and you come out to the mound, you, you want as the pitching coach. You want to just tell us about that scene. Well, I came out, and uh, you know that scene. By the way, the whole scene on the mound, the studio wanted the whole scene cut from the movie. Wow! They wanted that. They they told Ron, "We need you to cut the scene." He goes, "Why?" And he says, "Well, it doesn't move the plot." And Ron Shelton said, "What plot?" What plot is there in this movie? He says, it's just a plot. And he says, and the only reason it stayed in was because when they did test groups, focus groups, it would, and you always check off what's your favorite scenes in the movie. And it was always number one or number two, always. So that's the only reason it stayed in. Yeah, it's it's a riot. I mean, when you say uh, uh, candlesticks make a good gift, and uh, well, <laughs> are they registered? Well, the, you know, that's not the way it's written. The whole scene is written up until the payoff line. I mean, what happened was the line was originally, oh, you know, he says, we're dealing with a lot of shit here. And, he, and the line was, oh, I thought there was a problem, you know, and then, okay, but, you know. So what had happened is a couple of things. A, a week before, first of all, it was freezing. I mean, if you watch Bull Durham, you could see our mouths. We were in November in, in, in North Carolina. It was cold. You see the smoke coming out. And uh, it was the last shot of the night, the total last shot. They had shot all of the other side, you know, of, of the guys on the mound, but I'm coming from the other direction, so you have to relight. So last shot's like four in the morning. And Ron Shelton, after we did about four or five takes, said, okay, let's wrap it. Robert, I know you've been sitting around all night, you know, and I know you got something you thought of. So what has happened, we, let's do one, one, two cameras, okay, stay in character. And what had happened the week before, about a week before shooting is a friend of mine was getting married. 
So I called my wife and said, what are we going to get them for a wedding present? And she said, candlesticks always make a nice gift or find out where she's registered in a silverware pattern. So when the scene came and he says, okay, you got one. And, you know, and he said, we're dealing with a lot of sheer. And I went, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is, you know, we watched it on dailies the next day. You know, you always watch, this was a good close knit group. And we always would watch Back in the day, you would watch the dailies on film. They project them the following day. And it was the last shot because they're always done in order. And the last shot is candlesticks always make it. And everybody in the place cracked up. And I thought, boy, joke worked. That's good. But that's the last time I'm ever going to see it because I know too many writer-directors who said, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's in character. Yeah, it works. But I didn't write it. And this is my movie. Now, the good ones don't think that way. But But... You know, and then the next time I saw it was, uh, I, you know, I was close friends with Ron, but I saw a screening for a focus group about the first, about the second one. And there it was. And I was shocked. And I got a huge laugh. And I was shocked it was in the movie. I was shocked. And then, like I told you, they wanted to cut it out and it stayed in. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a great, uh, it's, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a great movie. I love it. It's on all the time. I always watch it. No matter what part it's on, I'm going to watch it. I've heard you on a couple of interviews saying that your part is, you only had four or five lines in that movie, but those lines were great. I mean, it really packed a, 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 a punch. Oh, he's got garters on. <laughs> and a new league record, you know, another new league record. You know, it's a powerful, uh, you know, really Great movie. Really great acting there. Great. Well, thank you. That's nice. It's like, I mean, baseball movies, there's some, there's some good ones. Uh, there are, there's probably more, as far as sports go, probably boxing's got the most. It's the easiest to do. But there's uh, baseball movies. There's actually, well, the thing about baseball is you can see people's faces. You mm-hmm. know, it, and it's, you know, they're normal sized human beings. Also, and uh, for like the first half of the 20th century, it was America's game. And uh, I don't know, it's baseball. I mean, it's hard. Baseball movies are, most sports movies in general, suck. (laughs) I mean, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, And the reason they do, Ron Shelton and I talked about this one time, we agreed. The reason most sports movies suck is because they're told from the point of view of the fan. And the fan only cares about one thing. Did the team win or lose? Did they win? That's what they care about. They don't care how you got there. They don't care what you did to get there for the most part. Fan only cares if the team wins or loses. So it always comes down to the big game. It's like they're always the big game. And that's bullshit. He goes, how many big games are there? I mean, he goes, it's like, you know, yeah, but, you know, you know and, and very rarely do they lose. In fact, the better in the better in the better sports movies, they do lose. I, I can think of, I'm trying to think of two or three of the best best sports movies off the top. Rocky, he loses. Right. There's a big game, he loses. The most underappreciated sports movie of any sport of all time uh, is the original Bad News Bears, and I'm they lose. And they right. lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you know, I just you know, so that's that sports movies. You know, hey, I, and it doesn't mean they're going to succeed. I mean, I was in Cobb. That was a huge bomb. You know, so, uh, I mean, commercially, commercially, but I mean, it, what's nice is because it's on MLB and they put it in the rotations, if people are appreciating it, you know, a little bit more, you know, so that's, right. that's really nice. That's really, because I enjoyed it. It's dark. 
He's a poor character. Yes. You, you, mentioned yes. The bad news, you mentioned the bad news bad. Are you, are you talking about the Walter Matthau version or the Billy Bob Thornton version? I know you, you're uh, talking about the Walter Matthau version. That, that was a great, great movie. Yeah, I was going to I was going to, you would ask me which one I was going to say. You know, I thought more of you than that. You know? <laughs> with the, with, uh, what was the little kid um, who used to always get upset, right? And he would like attack. Right. Uh, right? Yeah. No, but it's not America. It's just a great, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. director, Michael Ritchie, was a great filmmaker. Right. He had a run of movies. He was holding a mirror up to America. It was, you know, that, that period in the early 70s, which is probably before your time, but there were filmmakers who were holding up a mirror to America and, and, and making a statements about it. Guys like Hal Ashby, Robert Altman, and Michael Ritchie, who did Downhill Racer, The Candidate, and The Bad News Bears. Those are three very, I mean, they're talking about America in those three movies. So, uh, and about, and a movie called, a very good movie called Smile about beauty pageants. No, no he was, he was special. What, what about the movie Bang the Drum Slowly with De Niro? Really? Yeah. Is no big game, no big game, right? See, that's right. what I'm saying. That, that's in the top five. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Top five for sure. Michael Mariotti. I think Vincent Cardini is in that one too. Okay, now let me tell you a story about this. This is to show you acting and what, you know, and the movie making and the make-believe. Now, Danny Aiello, my dear friend, may he rest in peace, his first movie, I think he may have had a scene in The Godfather. He has one, Godfather 2 or something like that. But his first decent role was in Bang the Drum Slow. And Danny could play a little bit. So he shows up, to, you know, first day of shooting, and uh, Vincent Gardinia knows him, you know, for, for many years. And Vincent Gardinia is playing the manager, of course. And he told to Danny, he goes, Danny, come here a second. Which one's first base? <laughs> okay. Okay, fast forward. He gets nominated for an Academy Award. It changes his career. <laughs> Wow. That shows you about, you don't have to know. You know? Don't have to know, just act. That's not you just have to act. It's wow. just, you know, but that, Bang the Drum Slowly is a terrific film. Yeah. I remember seeing, I saw it in college in Houston, and it was, I had not seen Mean Streets, so it was the first time I saw De Niro. And so I saw the movie, and I said, well, he really is not that good a baseball player. He can't really play, but I am absolutely convinced he's an idiot. He's from the South and one of these idiots. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then he does Godfather too. When I see that, and then I saw Mean Streets. So that was my first. That was my first time seeing De Niro. So uh, was very cool. Robert, I was going to save this question, but since we're talking about baseball movies, I'll ask you now. Obviously, Babe Ruth—they've made movies about Ty Cobb. They've made movies. I mean, I, I could go on and on about the. You know, there's a certain few players they make the movies about baseball players. Is there a player you could think of? And, and I didn't give you advance notice on this question, but is there a particular player that you could think of that would make a really good movie and that you would want to be in that movie? Well, now you're not talking about current day. You're just talking about baseball in general. Yeah, in general. Yeah, baseball history, I guess. Yeah, not current day. Well, I would argue they really never made a good movie about Babe Ruth because they always, and part of that is because they always cast a guy who's 40 or 50. I mean, and they always catch a, get a big fat guy. And that's not it. 
It's like it would be like doing an Elvis biography and casting a big fat guy at fifty. Right. Babe, Ruth, Babe Ruth is a stud at twenty-one. Babe Ruth right. is the first American rock star, and they should get a guy who's in his you know late twenties, early thirties to play him and play him. That it's Raging Bull with, with the weight gained on. He doesn't become fat until about seven, eight years into the league. I mean, he just—it's like it's Elvis. It really, it really is the Elvis story. That's really it. That would be one. The other one is the great Bill Vec. Of course, he's, okay. such, he's such a character. It's a great sure. character. I would think him. Uh, I'm trying to think somebody who's on the peripheral. That would make more sense. I mean, Branch Rickey's real interesting because of everything he did. Branch and you know, Branch Branch Rickey is 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 interesting. Yeah, he's a. That's a character. Most here's the thing: is most your best bio movies usually take a small piece of a, of an icon's life. They're your best ones because they, otherwise they try to do too much. You know. Right. But with, which you know, I find the best biopics are of icons, with rare exceptions, like there are in anything. Take you're better off in a small time period, you know, and and tell that story. I think that's you know, I just you know. So I'm trying to think of somebody who trans. Well, I mean, I wonder about the Negro Leagues, like you know, like Gibson or Satchel Paige. Well, they've, or done, they've, done, they've done movies on all of them. They've done mostly HBO, Showtime, TV movies on yeah. all of them. I mean, what about Yogi? I wonder if Yogi would make a. Well, uh, what what's what is the what's the dramatic thrust? I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess well. I mean, he's, really I mean he's a good guy. He's a great guy. And yeah, sure. I, I could make the argument. I keep, you know, everybody says, you know, Johnny Bench. And Johnny Bench, you probably is the greatest catcher of all time. But Johnny Bench don't have 10 rings. Nope. Johnny Bench don't have 10 rings. Now, they're not all a catch, to be fair. Right. But 10 rings, 10 rings. <laughs> <laughs> not too shabby. Don't you have Jogi five, five rings, and you know, he goes, I got 10. <laughs> that's remarkable yeah you know, Robert I, I, I loved your, your show uh, Assume the Position that was fantastic oh, and thanks. you you had a line in there which I know is not attributed to you but you use it and I use it now because I think it's so great it's from uh, the let the something about Liberty Vance the Liberty shot Liberty Vance. when the legend becomes fact Use the legend. Print the legend. Print the legend. That's right. That's fantastic. I, I, I'm saying that because of the movie Eight Men Out, which is historically inaccurate, but it, 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 in the, it, they tell a story of, obviously, the 1919 Black Sox, but there was historical inaccuracies. And so I think of that, okay, when the, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Hollywood is not in the history business. Hollywood is in the entertainment business. It's in the storytelling business. I mean, just this week, the Hamilton thing, people are coming down on Hamilton now. Oh, yeah. Right. People got to pick on everything. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not sure which part in the Black Sox. You know, actually, the Eatman Out is, is closer to, to being on the nose than just about, just about any other biopic I've seen or storytelling. I mean, I mean, sales followed the book pretty closely. Um, but, wasn't wasn't totally accurate. I mean, I, I'm a member of uh, society. What point? 
Well, I'm a member of the uh, Society of Baseball, American Baseball Research, and they have a committee of the Black Sox committee. And they're saying that Charles Kaminsky was a very cheap owner, which they were all during that time, but he was the less misery of the, of the bunch. So he really paid his players more than the other teams, even though in the, in the picture it says he's, he's paid them the, the least. Well, again, print the legend. The legend is. Exactly. He was exactly. He, did. he didn't pay bonuses. He did. I mean, he was, I mean, no one's, you know, and by the way, that's fireman reviewing fireman movie. That's what you're doing. That's like, it's like saying when I see a movie and the fireman goes, oh no, he went down with his left hand first. You have to go down with your right hand first. So the movie's inaccurate. Hey, come on. Okay. Fair enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the expert here. So. Sure. Robert, let's talk about Arliss. You created Arliss. It's wonderful. I really, I, I'm enjoying it very much. It was on seven seasons on HBO. You were Arliss, the sports agent. You hit upon a lot of topics. Well, there's, there's so many things with Arliss. You hit upon some very meaningful topics, which actually still resonate today. You know, there are still, those things are still very relevant. That's one. You had a lot of cameos by famous athletes, coaches. You know, I saw Kobe Bryant in, in a couple. Uh, he was in the first season. Uh, I remember he was, he was speaking Italian with you. At- he had signed, his, it's the first thing he ever shot. He had signed his contract maybe two weeks earlier. when We had him on the show. Yeah. And then he was in future uh, episodes in the beginning. You had him on. I mean, you had I, you were in the dugout with you had Barry Bonds and Mike Piazza and Tommy Lasorda, and I just mentioned baseball people, of course. But what was it? What was it like being such a big sports fan? You know, being I mean, it was fun. I, I and I look back now; it's great to see all these people. And but to me, they were always textured. I mean, there were, I mean, we never wrote for any cameos. We always write TBD because it depended on who was on the West Coast and who was available. You can't let the you couldn't let a push plot. They're not actors. To me, right. I was I was much more interested in the story. I was always about the story and the characters in there. And as you'll see, as we went on, you'll see much fewer cameos in the. We had to have a few. I mean, and my guys, rightly so, always stayed on me. Uh, that you have to have a few people look forward to it. But I was much more involved in storytelling. I wanted to hit on topics. I, uh, funny, because I just did a podcast like this, uh, a fundraiser for the last seven weeks uh, on uh, the guys from the Uptight Citizens Brigade. They did a podcast, the George Lucas talk show, which is a goof. And each Sunday, they live streamed a season of Arliss. And I would come on the last hour and talk about it, which meant I just, in the last, in the last two months, I watched Arliss pretty much the first time I'd watched it in 20 years. And I was shocked at how well they held up. And I was, I mean, I, I mean, we did go after topics. I mean, they just said, I mean, I'm wearing a 1997 Cleveland All-Star Game hat. And that was the first time I saw that big Chief Wahoo. And I said, we got to do a story about this. So it's funny because we did this story about the Redskins slash Indian mascot. And I mean, it was... And at the same time, I could tell America, talk stories about Native Americans and military and make it funny. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's like the guy said, this could have been today, this story. I mean, and we had domestic abuse and steroids and alcoholism and gay ballplayers and transsexuals and uh, unwed pregnancies. 
I mean, I, I loved all the stories because I just said, he's, you know, I, I didn't, you know, like I said, there's no big games. I mean, I didn't care about that. I cared about character. Right. You, in one of the episodes, had um, the, what was it, the LA, the hockey team, the Los Angeles hockey team. Was it the Kings at the, in, in the episode? Oh, I can't. Yeah. And she, w- she was going to give you, the owner of the team was going to give you 10% of the team, and you were trying to move the team. And you went to Vegas, right? And he showed, there were three places you went to. You went to North Carolina, you went to Vegas. Think about that. You're right. Right. And, and he shows you this big tower with the, you know, the thing above. And, of course, Vegas didn't get the team. But fast forward. Yeah, Vegas, no. That, I, yeah. Well, we were doing, you know, we had to be somewhat plausible. You right. Know, I want to say, do I believe it? Could I believe it? You know, so, yeah. Well, that was kind of fun. Right? It was great. Yeah. And, of course, you had... What, one of the, the best Arliss episodes, too, was the, the fantasy, the fantasy draft. The, well, the fantasy league. When the pitcher for the Phillies, I can't remember his name. Ned but, Bastille. Yeah, he, Ned he Bastille. Was, right, you were, work, you were trying to work out the trade. Well, okay, the wife didn't want you to trade him. Then, then you were going to trade him to a contender, right? You were going to trade him to the Dodgers. But then when your arch nemesis who won the league twice was going to get, got him in a trade from your guy, right? I guess if he gets traded to the American league, American league doesn't count, right? Anyone gets, gets traded. To the well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it was a league only thing. Um, <laughs> uh, actually that story came from, I think, Arn Tell. What happened is, remember, fantasy was pretty early back then. This is the 90s. And what happened was he was in a fantasy league with Albert Bell. And I thought, wow, that's strange that they're having. I go, Albert Bell is a fantasy team? He goes, yeah. I go, well, what happens if he's facing a pitcher that needs to win or something like that on his team? You know, I'm not competitive, these guys. And so I thought about that. And then I thought about, on the other hand, what if you could trade him so you could win the league? You know, it's like, so that's where that came from, pretty much. Just knowing that, you know, ballplayers and had fantasy teams. So that, then I put together that story. Right. but And you, you trade him to Milwaukee. <laughs> and you had to sell them on Milwaukee. Right. And then there was the earthquake. Right. It's just, it, it all flows very nicely. It was just okay. it was a very, very good show. Very enjoyable. Thank you. I have another question on Bull Durham. Was that Tim Robbins' first movie? No. No? It wasn't? Okay. I thought it was one of his uh, earlier ones, but I... I, I oh, it wasn't an early one, yeah. It wasn't an early I, one, but it was his first movie. No. I, somewhere, I, I might have heard somebody about his first movie. Well, thanks for clearing that up. How, how much fun was it to do Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams? That must have been a ball. It was great fun. It was also hot. That's what I remember. I remember having very, a lot of fun and hot. That's what I remember. And had great people. You know, I made great friends there and learned a lot. And uh, it was great. It was, it was just it was fun. And I know, you know, I've known Robin since for years because we were comics. But getting to know Bruno Kirby and Noble Willingham, that was pretty great. That was pretty good. And Barry Levinson. No, I had a great time in Thailand. Great time. Oh, they shot that in Thailand. Oh, okay, didn't know that. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had other scenes in Thailand, but I wasn't in those scenes. Robert, what's your, what's your feeling on the Sabre? Jeff and I talk about this a lot, how Sabre metrics, all these crazy stats, uh, I call them crazy stats, are being used now. Launch angles and war and you know, all these, all these things. And, and somehow a strikeout is, is okay. And what, what's your feeling on that? 
my feeling is there you stats have always been in baseball. I mean, we've always, we've always had stats in baseball. So I'm sure somebody said, Ooh, an RBI. I mean, what, what, what's that? You know, I mean, he didn't put the guy on base. He didn't just, I mean, so my bigger problem is not with the stats themselves. It's what the stats do to me is it gives people easy way to easier way to make a decision because they say, well, look at the stats and you have to do it this way because you got 43% chance of doing it as opposed to 39%. So you got to go with that. Well, well, you're still failing 70% of the time, no matter what I'm looking at here. So it's, you know, I mean, yes, there's something to it and you, and then they do, but I, I don't find, they're a tool. They're one tool. The problem is too many decisions are being made based on. That's the problem. You know, that's like anything else. I mean, you you got numbers and it's like hits on Facebook or whatever. I mean, it's something it's, it's, it's and, and too many people are being somewhat described as better ball players or worse ball players than they are because of it, in my opinion. Do you have any issue with the fact that uh, Mariano Rivera went into the Hall of Fame unanimously? Do I have any issue with that? Why would I have an issue with that? Okay. I, well, I, I know some people, uh, my co-hosts included, that just don't feel that Mariano should have been the first player to go into the I, I think a lot of yeah. players should have been unanimous. I can think Willie Mays, Willie Mays should have been unanimous. That's not the point. That's not the point. That wasn't the question you put in there. Sorry. said is that do you think Mariano should have been unanimous? And that's yes. Oh, yes, yes, but, I mean, okay. That's, that's just, because somebody else was denied, doesn't mean everybody's got to be denied because this guy was back then. I mean, that, uh, that's a stupid argument. No, I mean, Mariano, I mean, why, I mean, if you're the best at your position during your era, you should be pretty much in the Hall of Fame. If you're the best at your position that ever played, why shouldn't that be unanimous? I, I don't get it. So there should have been – so basically, there's players way back when that should have been unanimous. That, and that's my unanimous. issue, too. Forget unanimous. Uh, Joe DiMaggio doesn't make it the first year. Exactly. I, I can't believe that. Do you know? It's like – but that's part of the game. I mean, one – but here, here again, though, somebody kept Ted Williams off his uh, MVP ballot in the year he hits four – I think 406. Right. And he would have won the MVP if he just put him on his ballot. And he didn't. And DiMaggio won. So, you know, what, you know, it, it's, it, again, baseball's too, I think the one thing about baseball, which I'm kind of enjoying, is the fact that we're smashing, we're chipping away at baseball's love affair. When people say about the sabermetrics, well, baseball's love affair with numbers and calling them holy, that's, you know, that's, that's okay to chip away at that. We've seen it because you can manipulate numbers. We saw it either legally or illegally. You can you can manipulate numbers in some expect to some extent. So just because somebody has the best numbers doesn't mean they're the best player. I don't think that's you know it's right. I, I don't think that that's. I mean, I you know and so unanimous. I mean, a unanimous. I think you're going to see more unanimous players going in. Now, there's not too many, but I think you're going to see more. I mean, Jeter almost did it. Jeter almost did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you, and it's interesting because nobody gives a shit the Cy Young Award is, is unanimous. Nobody gives a <laughs> or Rookie of the Year. You know, but it comes to the Hall of Fame, which again is a building. It's not the pearly, it's not the pearly gates. Right. It's right. a building. 
It's a building. It's a museum. It'd be like saying, well, you know, Rembrandt actually stole this color orange from his buddy, the other painter. So we, we're not going to put his paintings in my museum. You know, come on. Give me that point. It's a building. This idea of the Hall of Fame being, it's a tourist attraction. Started out totally as a tourist attraction. That's what it was there for. Uh, they made a bullet story about, who's the general? Uh, Doubleday. Double day. Double day. Not Doubleday. Not Doubleday. It's, uh, um, ah, he's from Cooperstown. Nah, I can't think of his name. It's a bullet story. And they built the museum around a bullet story. Right. So, I mean, again, you know, it's romance, you know, which is fine, which is fine. With, with the 60-game season this year, if it happens, you think there's a possibility that someone could hit 400? Yeah, more so, sure. Yeah. Especially now, how's that, how's that going to Especially if they juice the ball, which I'm pretty sure they'll probably will. <laughs> I mean, they got 60 games. I think the ball's going to be juiced terribly, probably. So, yeah, why, why shouldn't somebody – somebody could hit 400. It's happened – I saw somewhere it happened like six times over the last 20, 30 years. So why couldn't somebody do it? Yeah, after you mean again, after again and again, and doing that, it's not like saying he's a better hitter than Ted Williams or Ty Cobb. Right, right. What we're saying is, in a sixty-game season, this season he hit four hundred. That's it. You know, that's okay. I mean, you know, I, this this romance with, you know, again, they're legends. They're just myths. Most of them are myths and legends, and or they're just you know, it, which is great. Which is. Partly why I'm a little bit like, like I don't like the natural as much as a lot of people do. I just. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Field of Dreams. I like the natural, and, but not a big fan of Field of Dreams for some reason. Okay. I'll give you just this one man's opinion. The natural is based on a great. Now, here's again Hollywood's not in the great book business, it's in the entertainment business. First of all, the narrative I've always had a trouble with, which I've never understood, is. Okay, here's Robert Redford's character, Roy Hobbs. He's a young guy. He goes to the big city. He winds up, a girl seduces him. She shoots him, jumps out the window. He's single. Why is he hiding for 20 years? What did he do? Like The whole premise of the movie is like, what did he do? He's a single guy. He got laid. She shoots him, and she jumps out the window. What did I do? So I never understood that, that whole part there. Now... The bigger part, of course, is the ending. The whole idea of the book, Malamut's book, which resonates and gives it weight, is his theory about talent without character is not enough. Because in the book, he does throw games, and he's doing a lot of stuff, and then finally decides to try it again, and here comes a new picture, and he strikes out. You know, talent without character is not enough. Remember, in baseball, the three greatest pieces of prose, probably, all deal with failure. All deal with failure. One is Casey at the bat. Casey strikes out. Mm-hmm. Two is a natural. Roy Hobbs strikes out. And three is take me out to the ball game. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out. Those are the three best, probably, pieces of prose. Baseball deals. Now, that doesn't mean it's good for entertainment. <laughs> and this was TriStar's first movie, a big studio, and they were not going to have the fans, they're not going to have Roy Hobbs and Robert Redford strike out. And then, of course, you get the great music and everything, and it's a wonderful sequence. But I, I never got me on any emotional contact. Again, big game. The better one's the big game, and he would have lost. You know, you can still get the girl, but, I mean, that's not the story. That's an, It's a Hollywood movie. That's the difference. Field of Dreams is different. I like Field of Dreams. 
until the end. The end, what takes me out of the movie, is James Earl Jones' speech at the end as the guys are coming in playing ball from the field. And he says, Ray, baseball reminds us of, of all that was once good. It can be good again. And I'm sitting there going, yeah? Then how come you couldn't play until 1947? What's good about that? How come everybody who's coming out from that field right there is white? What's good about that? We reminds us of all that's once good. And that's a bullshit speech. It takes me right out of the movie. It's like, what the crap again is this? It's like, so that's my problem with feelings. Otherwise, it's a pretty good, it's a good movie. But yeah, that, that, that totally throws me out of it. I mean, it's like, how can you possibly say that? Now, in the book, it's J.D. Salinger who's the, the character. But regardless, we, baseball reminds me of all those ones. Good? Come on. Come on. Baseball was a good, like, it was America. It was racist until 1947. How can you possibly give that speech? Right, and even in even then, you only had one player. Right, there's you one. Know, then became two. Yeah, but exactly. But, you know, how do you give that speech? I mean, come right. on. Right, right. He was he yeah. was also in another baseball movie, The Sandlot, where no, I he, no, I'm not a Sandlot. He, James Earl Jones was in The Sandlot. James Earl Jones might be. Yeah, yes. I'm, yeah. No, no, no. I know, I know you weren't in it. I just think James Earl Jones was in The Sandlot. The best, I'll tell you the most underappreciated. The, the most under probably the most unknown movie, but one of the best baseball movies I ever saw is a movie called Sugar. Uh, Sugar is a movie uh, about a Dominican kid who uh, gets a bonus. He's living in Dominican. He comes to the United States where he has, doesn't speak English. You know, he comes in, he goes to Iowa, Kansas City Royal Farm Club, and the cultural adjustment, and you'd swear it's a documentary. It's that real, but it's not. It's a movie, and it's, it, that, that's an underappreciation. I would say that one would be my top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably would put Eight Men out in my top five. And uh, like I said, Bang the Drums Slowly, Bad News Bears. I'm trying to think if there's anyone jumping out at me. Is I happen to like Major League because it's just so funny with Bob Uecker, Bob Uecker's, uh lines in there. That's just entertainment. Big game. Right. Big game. Hollywood movie. Right. It's funny. It's Euchre. Actually, when, last time I saw I said without Euchre, there's not much, much of a movie here. Right. No, it's, it's just fun. And what, what's the uh, Bingo Long? Uh, that's a pretty good movie. That's a pretty good movie. Yeah, that, yeah. that one's that one's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. There's a few. There's a few. Uh, a League of Their Own. I like that. Oh, one. Yeah. A League of Their Own. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 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 in there. Yeah. Those are done. Yeah. No big game. Eh, there just there is and there isn't. It's not really a big game. I mean, yeah, they have, but that's not the, the end of the movie. You know, right. Like, like, about that. I, I I actually my favorite part of that movie is the end when you see the um when when Madonna's singing you know that song see the real people and uh, you see yeah and you see the real people it's just like I, I don't know something about that so are you looking forward to the season though should there be one I'm gonna watch it as, as for, for a lot of curiosity you know uh, whoever wins it is gonna whoever's gonna win it, it's gonna win it but I, I just say okay it's it's I'll, I'll watch it just for the fun of it. See how it goes. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's like you know, it is what it is. I mean, they had they couldn't do anything else anyway. Right. I mean, if they would have stopped this thing two months ago. You know, if they would have settled everything, they couldn't start yet anyway. Right. So they would have had the same number of games. They were always going to have this number of games. I'm looking forward to. What do you think of the new rules changes? Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I really don't like this, the extra inning rule having a guy starting second base. But it'll be interesting how the managers are going to 
you know, think about that. Do you walk the next guy step to double play, or do you butt the guy over to third and you know, things like that? So it, it they'll be interesting how to manage how to manage to work that out. Yeah, what do you think, Larry? I well, I like it. I, not so anything with this sixty game season that's different is fine with me because it's it, just having a sixty game season is different. So the fact that there's going to be a DH in both leagues, I have no issue with the you know well. The whole pitching to three batters, that was going to be this season anyway. But the starting the runner on second, I just think the whole, I mean, they're not playing with fans. So I'm all for anything that they're doing, just seeing the game. And I think it's, I think it's great. I, 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 I don't have an issue with any of it, really. Just get on the field. That's, that's really what I want to say. And, and, and I'll see the, the rule changes. It's just going to be fun. I love every rule change. Every one of them. You do, huh? I absolutely do. I mean, again, it's just holding on to shit from oh, fuck, 300 years. Did you see the World Baseball Classic when the rule came into a fit, when they had to do the start the man on extra second base? I, mean, I, I don't remember that now. It was incredibly exciting. Now, it was a play. Now it was a playoff game. So it was, it was like sudden death. So, but first of all, nobody wants, nobody likes extra innings. Nobody. Nobody. The pitchers don't. I mean, the manager doesn't want it. The players don't want it. The uh, the people who work the stadium don't want it. The broadcasters don't want it. The TV networks don't want it. Mm. Nobody and the fans don't want it because well, if you look on the if you look in the twelfth inning of any ball game, there's nobody in the ballpark. So this bullshit about the fans is total one hundred percent bullshit. Nobody wants extra innings. It ruins a pitching staff. It ruins everything. Nobody wants it. Nobody. The people want to get out of operations. The concessionaires can't do anything. I mean, nobody wants it. That's number one. And it is exciting. I'll tell you, when I when they did it during the game, it was incredibly exciting. It was a playoff game, to be sure. The three-batter rule, great rule. Absolutely great rule. When I hear this bullshit about, oh, it takes away strategy. What strategy is a takeaway? You mean a lefty coming in to take a lefty and then a righty coming in to face a righty? Wow, what strategy that <laughs> I can train my dog to You know, hey, hey, Max, come here. If the guy walks and throws it, if I give you a left paw, go get the left-hander. If he starts throwing with his right paw, get the right-hander. I can, what fucking strategy is that? Give me a fucking no, strategy is if a left-hander's coming up and you got two right-handers behind him. Now, that's a strategy. Do you pitch or not? The other thing is like, what? All that is is a managerial excuse so they don't have to make a decision. And what's the other rule? Designator hitter used to be against it. Now I'm 100% for it. Nobody uh-huh. wants to watch a pitcher hit. Nobody wants to watch a pitcher hit. They hit a less than 100. It's like, give me a – they strike out, what, 40% of the time? Nobody pays for that. It's uh-huh. like it's ridiculous. People want offense. The NFL smart. They change it so you get, they get more offense all the time. They, and the, starting a man on second base is more offense. And, and everybody, like John Smoltz said, everybody swings for a home run in extra innings. This way you've got That's people moving around. And you have strategy on the bottom of the inning. If they scored one run, you know, or you play for two, or you play for a tie, there's some strategy. You know, but I love every – plus with these three pitcher batters, it takes 10 minutes out of the game like that. Because that's two pitching changes at five, uh, at five minutes apiece. That's just 10 minutes right out of the game like that. Yeah. No, anything that speeds up this game, I am for. Every well, yeah. I mean, uh, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say Jeff's a big hockey fan, and look, one of the most exciting things in hockey, I I think that fans think this 
is is the shootout right when it's tied <laughs> isn't the shootout exciting jeff mm-hmm. yeah right yeah, but I, I, don't know I, I knew people i knew people oh no we shouldn't have a shoot that's no way to end the game and by the way they don't use it in the playoffs you know they don't right. use it right. you know but but yeah i mean nobody wants to sit right. there for four or five periods so you putting, know, so have putting a definitive, yeah, putting have a definitive time where the game's going to end maybe well i just see a lot of more a lot more intentional walks because of all the all the rule changes starting man second or bringing a, a pitcher you know face three batters Manager goes, okay, face these two guys, I'll just walk the next guy. There's your three, you'll bring in someone else. I just see a lot more. Wait, wait, he ain't walking the third guy if the first two guys get on base. That's true. That's true. He ain't walking anybody then. Right. Yeah, you're going to put, what are you going to do? And by the way, how many runs you up? Are you going to put the winning run off on on the base? No, no, three pitches, three pitches. And by the way, where the f*** can't you get three batters out if you're a major league pitcher? I've been saying that for for years. Uh, If you're a major league pitcher, you should get three outs. to the choir. I've been saying that for years. If you can't get three outs, you shouldn't be in the major leagues. I mean, come on. Come on. Give me a break. Right. The pitcher, come on. Yeah, oh, but then you lose Madison Bumgarner. Ooh, so I can, so I want to have everybody else hit. You know, and hit zero twenty, so that Madison Bumgarner may get one home run or Bartolo Colon over his career. I'll take the, I'll give me the best hitter on the team, and let me see. I'd rather watch Mo Vaughn than uh, than Bartolo Colon and every other pitcher. <laughs> You've been so generous with your time. I, I do want to ask you about your your, your role in Batman. Alvin, again, great fun, great oh. time, Tim Burton. A pro, Tim Burton, a genius. <laughs> he's been asked this so many times. I'll bet. <laughs> I, I want. Well, I don't know if he's been asked this. In the scene when you're in the uh, suit of armor with, with uh, Vicky Vale and, and Bruce Wayne comes behind you, and you ask him for a grant, did you ever get that grant? We're looking for a grant. <laughs> I can't. I, I, under, under advice of attorney, I can't answer that question. <laughs> you know. I wish we're trying to get a grant for this podcast. (laughs) Maybe we'll ask him. Anyway, I hope you had a good time. Good luck to the Mets. We had a great time, Robert. Tough schedule. Mets have a tough schedule. Yeah, Mets have a very tough schedule. Yeah, they should be competitive. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on depends on health. Everything depends on health. I want to ask you, who do you think is the most? I'm going to. Can I give you a question? Uh, The most overrated well i don't want to say overrated i would say over yeah i could say you know who you think is the most overrated player i have a personal who do you think is the most overrated player you know that you can go off the top of your head hmm. and, and it's a good play oh i know i know he's on the washington nationals he got a huge con- no he's not on the nationals what am i saying he's on the phillies now oh price hopper yeah Bryce Harper, yeah. He's a lot of, I think there's a lot of hype. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Very good. But I think he's, you know, he had all that hype coming up that that he's, uh, you know, profiting on it. I, I don't. Throw the contract away. You don't want Bryce Harper on your team? Oh, well, throw the contract away. I'm paying him. What am I paying him? No, no, no. I'm just saying, forget, forget the numbers. I'm talking about as a ball player. Yes, I would ball. want him on my team. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, he would be one of your top. Ten outfielders, we would say. Yeah. Top ten, uh-huh. sure, right? Yep. Yeah, throw the contract away. But well, who would you think, Jeff? Oh, uh, I'm in agreement with with uh, you know. I tell you, Gio Carl Stanton. I mean, I think he's over. I don't think he's overrated, but he can never stay on the field to be that great that he's supposed to be. 
Well, that that that's that's a that I'm, I'm gonna, you you know part of being a ball player you got to come to the post. Right. You got to play. You have to play. But that one, yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I, I, yeah that, I, I, I could, I agree more with that one than I would Harper, for sure. Harper plays. Harper plays every game, pretty much. Harper, you know, it's like he's a good ball player. I mean, he's a very, he's a, I mean, he doesn't forget the contract. I mean, who would you rather have Harper or Manny Machado? I'd rather have Harper. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a Manny Machado fan. He took him out of Baltimore. I think he's hit like two ten since. Yeah, he doesn't make good sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Much, uh, you know, and a much better teammate too, from what I understand. Uh, you know who I think is the most overrated good player? He's a good player, but I think he's really overrated. And here's where sabermetrics comes in: Joey Votto. Joey Votto, yeah. I think Joey Votto is incredibly overrated. Ball. This is a guy who's a first baseman. He walks. That's what he does. He walks. So Brian Kenny likes him. Brian right. and I, we have this fight going all the time. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't drive in runs. What do you have? Eight home runs last year? Your first baseman in that ballpark? In that ballpark, and He yeah. doesn't drive in runs. He doesn't have, you know, it's like he walks. He walks. You know, that's, I would, I could think of 10 first basemen I would take with Joey Votto. Right. But, yeah, he's that on-base percentage guy, so. Uh, well, that's sabermetrics. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if you lead the league in runs every year, but I don't want that for my first baseman. I'm sorry. You know, in that ballpark, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I just, oof. I mean, the first baseman isn't as deep as it used to be, but boy, I mean, I, Joey Votto, he doesn't do anything. He just, he walks. Right. You know, he hits the, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he, it's like, you know, hit the, you got to drive in runs if you're a first baseman to me. You're, yeah. Your job is to drive in runs. But, right, right. I mean, to me, he's, he is at his position like, I'm trying to think of a shortstop or a second baseman comparable in that way. You know, who's a guy who's a good, you know, who walks, good on base percentage, and pretty much that's it. I mean, who's a second baseman or uh, I'm trying to think of somebody. I'd rather have DJ LeMayu than DJ Votto. Right, right. I was going to say DJ LeMayu. Mm. Yeah, I would much rather have DJ LeMayu. He, yeah. You know. I mean, Joey, you know, he's the guy who hit the home run to tie this, the, the playoff game. He's the guy. Joey, why don't, in that ballpark? Come on. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, I'm sorry, Keith. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Robert. No, we thank you. Robert became the interviewer, and we yeah. became the uh, – <laughs> it's, it's, it must be an episode of Ipso Facto. <laughs> thank you very much. I had a good time. Thank you very much. Robert, Robert. Thank you very much. Kansas City. Kansas City. We'll, we'll be there. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeff, how often do we get a Hollywood celebrity as a guest? I would say once in three years. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, he was very, very nice guy. And I guess now you and I have to go to a lot more barbecue places. I think so. <laughs> that was kind of the challenge, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but really great. And he is funny. I mean, just his roles when he... And Bull Durham, when he goes out there to the mound, right? And I know he talked about it in the interview. When he goes out there, and they're and he's like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "We got a lot of we got we got a lot of shi, you know what, going on." Right. And, uh, <laughs> and he uh, and they're like, "Yeah, so and so is going to get married. We don't know what to get." Well, uh, candlesticks always make right. <laughs> that line is just so good. Yes, and, and the fact that he. Improvised that line. And lived it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And Arliss. Let's go. Just Arliss. All the guests that he had on, all the sports guests. And just, he's a huge baseball fan. Yes. And you know what? He opened the door. 
he certainly, uh, to come back on, we will certainly hit him up again to get him back on. So now we have some more people that want to wish us a happy three-year anniversary. How about one from our new friend, Doug Scheiden? Lynn and Jeff, Doug of Road Cookers here. Huge congratulations on your three-year podcast anniversary. I've so enjoyed getting familiar with your show, being on the show, and meeting the two of you, even though you are Mets fans. All of this coming from a Barbecue World Champion and Cubs fan who is at the one and only no-hitter game, or no-han, as it's called in Mets history, on June 1st, 2012. Cheering along with those crazy New Yorkers versus the Dirty Birds. Best to y'all, and look forward to the coming years of Baseball and Barbecue Podcast. Thank you, Doug. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. Doug Scheiden, Rogue Cookers, Traeger Grills, Head Country, and just a hell of a nice guy. And what about... Gary Mintz? Yes, from the New York Giants Preservation Society. Hey, guys, this is Gary Mintz from the New York Giants Preservation Society. Wanting to congratulate you guys on three years of baseball and barbecue, your pod and webcast site. Guys do a fabulous job. I was privy enough a few months ago to be interviewed by you, and we have developed a nice friendship. You guys have come to my site often to see some of my Zoom meetings. But I just want to tell you, keep the flame burning, very appropriate with barbecue. And you guys have really filled a void that us baseball junkies need to have since the games were uh, few and far between this, this year. So again, Jeff and Len, I send you my congratulations. Two thumbs up. Have a great day. Congratulations. And if you ever want to check out that society, check it out on their Facebook page. Uh, they, they really are a great, great group of guys, and they, they do get great guests as well. I have a, another email just from Brian Greeker, Chef Brian Greeker, who just tells us, says us, Mazel tough on your anniversary. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Brian. That's very nice of you. I like it. Short and to the point. <laughs> Good. All right. And then what about Brian Wright? Brian Wright. Brian Wright says, congrats on your three-year anniversary. And then, Jeff, one other anniversary greeting. And that's from none other than, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Gary Mack. Hi, Lenny Jeff. It's Gary Mack from Mets Musings and the Baseball Talk Radio Show. And I just wanted to wish you guys a happy anniversary. Congratulations on your third year of giving us great podcasts, baseball and BBQ. We learned so much about baseball and about barbecuing. You have some of the best guests on in the business, and I just hope you guys keep doing it for another 20 years because you're the best. Uh, I'm proud to know you and to call you friends, and uh, keep up the good work. And by the way, I'm available for guest spots anytime you need me, so give me a call. (laughs) All right, once again, happy third anniversary to you guys. You're the best. Thanks, Gary. It's, you know, he, he's been, a, as we said before, he's been a very big help to us. Very good friend of the show. And, you know, we, we, we just love Gary Mack. Jeff, when we started this three years ago, two guys, as we said, 
you know, we were like the two, the last two schmucks that didn't have a podcast. Right. <laughs> and who knew that three years ago, we'd be celebrating our three-year show anniversary, going strong, just loving it. Yes. We appreciate our listeners. We appreciate our guests. If we don't make it obvious to everyone who comes on the show, who listens to the show, how much we appreciate you, then I'm going to say it again. We really, really appreciate you guys. And Len, we have some great guests coming up. Oh, I mean, yeah. we have some really great guests. You're not going to want to miss this. Yeah. So we thank you, everybody, for listening. Enough patting ourselves on the back. My, arm, yes. my arm's hurting, uh, patting <laughs> myself on the yes. back. You know, we, we do. We have some great guests coming up. and But we could not, you know, there's, there's a lot of podcasts out there. But there's one podcast that I listen to, and he always says, the only podcast that matters. Well, I'm not going to say that, okay? But I am going to say that I think we have a great show. We're getting better and better. And guys, stay with us. Come for the ride. Yes. And, and, and if you want to get in touch with us, give us a call. 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Tweet us. We're at Baseball and BBQ. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. We're on Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue, where barbecue's all spelled out. And don't forget our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate and review us. And Jeff, if I could just say to you, thank you so much for three wonderful years. Obviously, we have known each other much longer than that. But we've been doing this for three years, and every show we do and every discussion we have is fun and and is just great. So I thank you. I thank you as well, my friend. And now we would like to end the show with the poet and the musician, Shel Krakowski and Dave Dresser, with Baseball Always Brings You Home. Thanks, guys. See ya.
Christ. Christ.